Welcome to another episode of the Pete Potential Success Show. My name is Fong Chua. I'm an entrepreneur, business strategist, real estate investor, speaker, and also best-selling author. And every single day, I help others unlock potentials and guide them to succeed. Today on the show, we have another amazing guest on the show. We interview celebrities, entrepreneurs, business CEOs, speakers, coaches, athletes, and artists to find out their path to success, how they're able to overcome challenges and adversity. Of course, there are keys to success. And our guest today is definitely somebody who could add some light into that because he's very, very good at it, what he does. I've had the opportunity and the privilege to share a virtual stage with him recently and when he spoke i'm like wow this guy's energy is absolutely contagious uh, i really want to have him on my show and hence i'm very very excited to have him here uh, he has this big passion for catalyzing personal and organizational transformation he helps multi um, businesses and individuals really simplify their processes to attract and amplify their results so please welcome speaker coach advisor mr davy williams Fong, how are you? It's an honor to be here with you, my friend. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I was the one that was truly blessed in that virtual speaking gig, just so we're on the same page. I was the one that was blessed. Hey, it's awesome uh, having you here. Thanks again. And um, yeah, when, when you were on that list, you popped up at the very end of my man. Good thing he's at the end of the, the whole event because to follow him is going to be very difficult. So uh, again, your energy was amazing. You really caught my attention and the stuff that you shared was absolutely amazing. So uh, once again, thanks for being here. So before we get to all the the deep dive informational insights that you could share, uh, share with us how that path to becoming this greatness that you are today. Yeah. So, you know, much like my dear friend and business partner, Chris Salem said weeks ago, you know, I wasn't born this awesome. Um, I was obviously born this good looking and intelligent, but uh, no, realistically, um, I'm the oldest of four boys, was born outside of Philadelphia, right between Allentown and Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And growing up, you know, I had this innate sense of seeing the world in a different lens. You know, I, not that I was different or thought that I was weird, but situationally, I just kind of had a different perspective on things. And at a young age, I was clouded by arrogance because early in my career, when I graduated high school, the path back then in the late 90s and early 2000s is you go to college for four years, you get out, you get a great job. If you've got a mouth and a brain like someone like me, you should be a multi-billionaire in five years after graduating. And those are the expectations that the world puts on you, right? I went a completely different route. I started college and was working at the same time in retail. And this sounds crazy to people, but back in the late 90s, when malls still existed and retail was still an actual thing, when you had to physically talk to a human being to make a purchase, I had a really neat gift in getting our retail stores to merchandise in a way that was appealing to customers. And I was put in problem stores um, to kind of get their the income stream, obviously crank that up, but to get some consistency to that, and I stopped going to college and my parents were a little concerned because how am I going to go anywhere in business without a college degree? And that self-doubt started to seep into me. So that and my arrogance kind of blended into my late teens and early 20s, where I came to the epiphany that just because I didn't have a piece of paper didn't make me less than anybody else. And I actually worked twice as hard as other people. So while my friends were at college and they're doing their thing, I was always the one visiting them at college and buying everything for everybody because I was the one out there making money. And as, as fate would have it, I was just very fortunate to fall into luck is a big part in people's success. I think people underestimate luck, but a lot of our choices are what either bring the luck or negate that luck. So for me, I realized that 
the degree didn't even matter. What mattered is I had a gift and I needed to learn how to channel it. And so I kind of carried that through my career and eventually went out on my own, became business partners with with Chris and the rest was was history. But, you know, my biggest thing growing up was I was so focused on my career, Fong, even from an early age, that there were times that my life would sacrifice things. And I didn't even know it, you know, subconsciously we're doing it right. Like we talked about on the virtual speaking gig, like sub subconscious procrastination in a sense. Um, so a lot of what I do now and the work that I do with individuals and businesses is not just because I'm intelligent and I know what I'm doing, but it's things that I've actually gone through and experienced. I am far from perfect. I made a lot of stupid choices, but I'm also uh, a catalyst for those choices don't matter unless we make a matter. So and that's something that I take tremendous pride in. So very fortunate to have had the life and career that I have with all the poor choices that I've made. Wonderful wife. Um, you know, I've got a great life and it's something I take tremendous pride in. Um, you know, and, and my late mother was a huge inspiration for a lot of the stuff that I do. And, you know, where I am now is just somewhere I, I'd like to help so many people get to so many people to get out of their their own way. Um, now, back then, when you said that you had this weird gift of being able to solve problems, but you didn't have a degree, you weren't really interested in school that much. How did you convince your supervisors, managers to implement what you were were visualizing or jumping into a store and say, hey, you know what? You need to do this. Like you had to be had some kind of charisma or this this ability to convince people to go, hmm, maybe we should listen to this guy. Yeah. So one of the things that I didn't realize I had in my gift, but I, I learned quickly in business, I have the power of conviction. And one of the things that I realized was, you know, my father is an old school guy. You know, he's kind of like John Wayne's doppelganger, very old school man. People that have mouths and a gift in business to my father were kind of a turnoff. So I realized I always looked at situations like I was looking at my dad. And if my dad, if the person was going to sit there and tell me I'm full of, you know what, then I probably didn't want to try to deliver something that wasn't going to work. So even though I saw things in a certain way, what I did is I let that matriculate in my brain so that I could come up with a pragmatic solution to say, well, I think this is what we need to do. And I didn't say I want to do this. It was I believe that this is what we need to do. And I started using key words, need. Need versus want is a big difference. If we address our needs, we're going to get everything that we want. And I always made sure that I had a plan B. Like if this backfires on me and these people are going to come from my neck, I need to have an alternative solution. So I always made sure that, you know, as we talk about like process and results, I was never focused on the result and the outcome. I was always focused on the process of getting to that. And if I could get there, by the way, I would recommend, you know, plan A is this. That was awesome. And if I had to go with plan B, that was awesome. And that instilled a level of trust. And the other thing that I did, I took accountability if I was wrong. But then I would also come back and figure out another way to resolve the issue. And that was something that, you know, people just garnered respect for me that way. And I'm not a firm believer in fake it till you make it, because I believe that sometimes we get lost in that. So I, I taught myself to make it so I didn't have to fake it. Mm -hmm. And I, I just made sure that I presented tangible solutions that were going to work with everybody. And even though you can't make everybody happy, we live in a world right now where we're so busy trying to make everybody happy and we don't want to have disagreements because where that's going to go, you're not going to make everybody happy, but you can build a level of acceptance and tolerance. And that's how I built the foundation for my career and went from there. Mm -hmm. Wow. No, I know that certain things that appear in your head seem one way, 
but until it actually materializes in front of your face, you go, okay, I really do have something here. So is there a, a an example of something that you implemented back at that stage when you were in high school and working at the, these stores uh, that you can go, okay, that was the moment that I knew what I had in my mind actually works. Yeah, so, you know, back then, like I said, my arrogance had really blinded me to see, I probably accomplished so many more things than I actually knew in my in my high school, college years. It was more like in my late 20s, early 30s, actually, where the epiphany really hit me. Um, when I was, I was running uh, some travel clubs down here in Florida, and that's when I came up with my seashore lifestyle concept. Um, but I realized that I had a, a group of salespeople, um, everybody that works in the timeshare industry. I mean, every industry has like their own little cliches and their, their clicks and everything like that, you know, real estate, you know, timeshares, whatever auto sales. And my salespeople were always sending me guests that were going to back out of the deals, or I would have people come into my office, you know, running all the operations. And I was the last person that everybody saw. I closed all of our deals. And people would come to me and I would ask a simple question, like, how many weeks of vacation do you get? Two weeks. Well, my salesperson's giving me a piece of paper that says you're buying 10 weeks. How are you going to make use of the other eight weeks? So well, I'm not. OK, well, my job isn't to sell you. You've already been sold. That's why you're sitting in front of me. My job is to make sure that what you get, you're actually going to be able to make use of. So I found a way that I'm like, I know what I'm doing with people. And I not only know how to get business in the door. The most important thing in business, and you know this as well as I do, if not better, Fong, is retention. You got to keep people coming back. Yep. When I presented that to my sales team, they said, well, you're, you're we're making less money. And I said, you know, the cancellation rate in our industry is 70%, 70, 70. I mean, seven out of 10 people are canceling or never going to use this. And you don't make your commission if they cancel. My cancellation rate is seven. Ooh. That means seven out of 100 are coming back. Mm -hmm. So even if we have a smaller price point and we actually give them something tangible that they can use, they're going to come back. And we can shift the perspective of what a timeshare presentation looks like. We can shift the perspective of the value that it offers for somebody's lifestyle. That was the moment that the light bulb and every I realized in that moment just how smart I was and had negated to accept because I was blinded by my arrogance and that chip on my shoulder. Mm -hmm. And that was the moment where the arrogance dropped. It really became more of a level of confidence. And I realized that my gift could be put to much better use outside of just salespeople and one industry. Mm -hmm. Now, when you're trying to implement these new ideas, uh, when you're challenging certain uh, norms and whatnot, uh, you had the arrogance to go and push forward. Now, there's lots of people out there who don't have that arrogance. So how do you recommend them approach these situations where they, they really want to do something, but they have so many people around them telling them not to do it? What's the best approach for them? Yeah, I mean, look, it, at the end of the day, that's the perception. People have to remember that their perception is other people aren't going to accept them. Their perception is there's so much outside noise, but realistically, we can only focus on what we can control. So let's put that into perspective. We go to the beach. Right? I'm a big beach guy. A lot of my analogies are beach driven. But when people go to the beach, right, there's a million people at the beach, especially in the summertime, whether you go like to the East Coast, whatever. There's always multiple people at the beach. Now, if you bring yourself or your family to the beach and you want to go in the water, do you not go in the water because there's a million people there? No, you realize that they're there 
but they're not impacting your time at the beach. They're not impacting where you're going to sit down in your chair. They're not going to impact when you're going. So all of those things actually are there, but they're not. And that is the most important thing for somebody that doesn't have that chip, that arrogance or the balls, I guess I'm a Northeast guy that I have is to remember that all of that, even if you did have my level of arrogance, even if you did have the kahunis that I had, it wouldn't make a difference with all of this. Right. And so people that are looking, they're looking to, to find something to find stop. Because no matter what you do, when you look, there's always going to be something. There's always going to be negativity. There's always going to be nonsense. There's always going to be problems. The constant is if you see, how do you see? By keeping your head right in front of you. And when we see, we don't look for anything. And you will learn that the more you just focus on seeing what is right in front of you, good, bad, or indifferent from the outside forces, they have that much of an impact uh. on your business life realistically now that takes practice that takes time but it is achievable it's just stop allowing perception to dictate your process and allow perspective to be your foundation stop looking for something and just see what is right in front of you And when people do that they'll build a, a level of confidence within themselves that they'll adapt their own way of getting their point across you don't have to be you don't have to be as, you know, bouncy and charismatic. Like you and I, we're, our energies are, are similar. You don't have to be like us to get something done. You can be a little bit more of like an introvert and mild-mannered while still getting your point across. It's about seeing what you have in front of you and seeing the opportunity that you have to create rather than looking to do it. And that's where so many people just inadvertently screw themselves. Well, um, you are a person who's able to see a lot of problems that people may or may not see. And you work with so many different individuals, businesses. What would you say is some of the most common items or common characteristics that stops them from getting the results that they want? Selves. I mean, at the end of the day, it all boils down to themselves, right? It's you're always in our own way. God's greatest gift or the universe's greatest gift is also our greatest detriment in free will, right? Choice. We live in a society now where people are afraid of accountability. They fear responsibility. We have a, a level of entitlement, right? We're a microwave society where everybody wants everything now, 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 now. And if I can't get it, then I don't want it. People have to remember that we get so focused unilaterally on results mm -hmm. that if you keep your focus on one result, again, I'll use the beach as my example. We have an entire ocean in front of us, right? But if you're focused on one wave and you get bogged down in one wave, you got all your energy on one thing. You miss the entire ocean. You forget that there's other waves out there. So you have to be able to keep an open thought process and be willing to listen, to relate and understand versus listening to respond. And that's one of, of Chris's punchlines. It's a great line and it's the truth. It's about relatability. It's about what do we have in common, whether you're an individual or a business. At the end of the day, there are people that I work with that are more successful than I am. There's people I work with in businesses that are less successful. At the end of the day, we're all human beings. So the trick is to find the commonality and the relatability. Mm -hmm. That's what you got to focus on. And you, when you find that commonality, when you see that commonality, that's where you can build a foundation of communication. That's where you can build a level of you know empowerment versus entitlement. And you can attract the results rather than singularly chasing one.
Mm -hmm. Now you talked about being able to put that message out there so that you can attract the right people, you can attract the right, right results. However, sometimes that message, people are afraid to spread it because of how social media is like right now. Uh, you talked about taking the responsibility. You're afraid of the, the backlash. You're afraid of being politically correct and all that kind of stuff. How do you deal with that line? Like you go, okay, I really want to support this this aspect, but if I support this aspect virt like virtually out loud, then I got all these people who is going to completely cancel me. So how do you yeah. get through that space? Well, it's it's kind of like the Wizard of Oz. And that's the way that I delivered. I mean, social media to me, especially, I mean, so you brought social media. I mean, social media, the outside, it's Oz. At the end of the day, we are, you know, people get so worried about what other human beings are going to think, what they're going to say, how that's going to look. Realistically, think about the Wizard of Oz, right? Here's this guy that's his grand magic. People are flocking to him, right? They need to get the yellow brick road. They're going to end up at this beautiful castle and this grand green wizard is going to make everything and all the problems go away. And people in their lives and businesses, they do the same thing. Who was the wizard? He was a little midget in a green hat <laughs> that put himself on a projector that made himself look grand. So why worry about what's going on in Oz? Because all the things that happened to Dorothy in Oz didn't matter in Kansas. Mm -hmm. We have to remember that there is a differentiation between Oz and Kansas. Who gives a rat's rear about Oz? Are people, I mean, really, people get so bogged down about what others are going to think. You don't know that they're as successful as they portray themselves to be. You don't know. So what do you do? Focus on what you do know. And what you'll find is, yeah, there are some people, my message, some people are turned off by my message sometimes. But there are also those people that are attracted to my message. And that's what you got to keep the focus on. And you're always going to have less people liking you. The more successful you become, the less people will like you, the less people will support you. And so many people get stuck on that. Oh, I've got so much animosity. I've got so much negativity. That's quantity. Mm -hmm. But the quality of positivity and the quality of your thoughts and your actions is what will actually attract those people. And one out of 100 people liking your message, that one is going to create 100 more that will span out. So don't get stuck in the nonsense of Oz and the rainbows and sunshine and yellow brick roads and flash. At the end of the day, when you pull the curtain back, more often than not, nobody is what they say they are. Everybody on social media is awesome, right? Like you and I, we're awesome on social media. On paper, I sound like a million bucks. <laughs> Tangible fact is what I am in Oz is what I am in Kansas. Mm -hmm. And that's the behind Dorothy's story with the Wizard of Oz. Dorothy was Dorothy in and out of Oz. We have to remember, we have to be Dorothy in the fake world and in the real world. And if you do that, you're going to attract more people that live in Kansas and can roam through Oz rather than live in Oz and fear Kansas. <laughs> very, very well said. Uh, I've, I've never put that analogy together, but that was a very, very good comparison. So then my question for you now is, how do you balance that? Um, you're a person who's very successful in what you do. Uh, you have this great persona. Uh, you also have a great lifestyle. So how do you balance that out? Because lots of people are so focused on the what they put out there that they start to sacrifice what's behind the scenes. So what's your your life balance? It all boils down to it all starts with a habit 
habit becomes discipline, discipline becomes routine, right? So I have a routine every single day. You have to learn again, like I use the beach again as my analogy here. There isn't one wave in a day. There's multiple waves. So you have to be able to put a system for yourself in place where you habitually begin to do things. It can be something I know we I've heard other people talk about. It could be making your bed. It could be emptying the coffee pot so it doesn't get coffee stains on it when you're done drinking your coffee in the morning. If you have a green smoothie like I do in the morning, cleaning your blender out at the end of the day, you have to be intentional with your process. If you're intentional in your process, your results will intentionally be attracted to you at that point. So it's about creating habits that after you do it for a little while, it becomes discipline. And you know, habits are kind of trying to, it takes time. Right. People think like, oh, I'm going to start waking up every day at five o'clock in the morning because wealthy people tell me that's a good idea. And then three days after they wake up at five o'clock in the morning, they're not getting up at five o'clock in the morning. They haven't given themselves a chance to create the habit. Once that habit is created, then it becomes discipline. Then you're kind of forcing yourself less and less and less. And then it just becomes discipline. It's at that point, it's your routine. So I have a routine, mm -hmm. but I build myself to that routine. And that's something that people don't give themselves an opportunity to do. And realistically, if it takes you a day, a week, a month, it's irrelevant. Time is nothing we can control. We can control what we do with the time. Right. And that's what I remember. And there are some people that will tell you know, take the hardest task at the beginning of the day and knock that out. Look, at the, realistically, percentage-wise, 90% of the time that's going to work for you. But if you're somebody that falls into the 10%, stop trying to force yourself to do it somebody else's way. You have to create habits for yourself that work for you that, so that they can transcend into discipline, so that they do become just something that is naturally coming to you. I've given myself a chance to do that. That's what I help other people do. None of the outside forces matter. All that matters is, are you doing what you need to do? Uh -huh. And if you do that, whatever you want, wealth, riches, career, anything, everything I have, I got what I wanted because I did what I needed. So think of it like that. Assess your needs, break it down pragmatically so it works for you. Everything else will fall into place. Mm. You talked about the giving yourself the opportunity to create it, uh, to create it as a habit. Uh, and I know that it doesn't work for everybody. Certain people have to find their own ways. Uh, what was some of those things that you did for yourself that is the opportunity that you needed to force that into a habit? Yeah. So one of the things, especially many years ago, that I I I'm looking at like my day, like I had a certain, like I would get up at, let's say seven o'clock in the morning and, you know, I'd go about my day. I found myself going like, God, there's not enough hours in the day. I don't have enough time to get things done. Well, wait a minute. There's actually the, the sun doesn't come up at seven o'clock. Like the sun's always revolving, right? Oh my gosh. There's actually times before seven o'clock in the morning. There's actually times after eight o'clock at night. When you realize that there's 24 hours in a day, that is when the epiphany. So get up a half hour earlier. You'll start to be able to accomplish more. Get up an hour earlier. Now you're accomplishing more. Get up an hour and a half. All of a sudden, like I said, that habit starts to transcend into something different. If you're somebody right now that is listening to this episode and you get up at 8 o'clock in the morning and you've been getting up at 8 o'clock in the morning for 10 years, do not set your alarm for 5 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> You're setting yourself up for disaster. Try seven o'clock, then try six thirty. Or if you you don't think you have enough time in your day and you're stopping at five o'clock, try five thirty. Try when you do it incrementally. 
it works out so much better. And people think, well, I can't get that much accomplished. You would be amazed how much more you can get accomplished in an extra half hour of your day, in an extra hour of your day. And all it takes is perspective. The perception is we don't have enough time. The perspective is we have more than enough time if we choose to accept that. Mm-hmm. And we choose to do that. And if you're somebody that, you know, doesn't think you have enough time, that's an easy solution. Mm-hmm. I don't have time to make my bed. Are you crapping me? You'd be amazed what you can accomplish in two minutes. It takes two minutes to make your bed. <laughs> it takes 30 seconds to put a blender in the dishwasher. I mean, we, we have excuses, but realistically, let's cut the crap. We have more time than we allow ourselves. And when you come to that epiphany, that's when, again, you can start creating actionable habits. Mm-hmm. actionable habits in increments and that's how you can really create a sustainable process for your life and business mm-hmm. so true so very true i mean if somebody was waking up at eight and all of a sudden they go okay i want to wake up at five this is what's going to happen that night the night before they're going to be so excited it's like telling everybody i'm going to be up at five i'm going to be doing this 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 is and then when five o'clock alarm goes off all they're going to do is this is stupid <laughs> and then they'll go back to sleep <laughs> Right. And the, the night before, they're probably keeping themselves up. Even if they go to bed at 10 and they get up at 8, that night before, they're like, I'm getting up at 5. They're up until 2 o'clock in the morning because they're so excited, concerned. Or, I mean, they've allowed emotion to kick in. So just do it pragmatically. There's nothing wrong with that. If you get things accomplished in a certain time frame, all you're doing is adding opportunity. Mm-hmm. And that's the way you need to look at it. 15 minutes is 15 minutes more of an opportunity for you. Right. So it's a half hour, hour, so on and so forth. Yeah. Now, as important as it is for people to have the ability to not care about what other people are thinking, not care about what people are saying, um, if they want to really focus on their goals. However, they still need to put themselves into an environment where there's people who do care about what their goals are. So for you, was there a a group of people, a, a specific individual that was your guiding light? Was the person that gave you this one message or this one advice that you go, wow, that really changed everything for me? Yeah. Um, and you you happen to know that one person. Um, it Really, I mean, I say this all the time and he hates when I have to give him accolades because he's a very humble person. And I just love when I get to toot his horn behind his back. Uh, Chris Salem was that person for me. Uh, when I met Chris... I had my coaching concept. I had my speaking platform. My career was like I was going in the right direction with my career as an entrepreneur. Things were going great. My life, on the other hand, there was a lack of alignment. And here I am thinking, well, if I continue with the business end, then my life's just going to fall into place, right? Like magically, like Oz, all of a sudden, I just keep walking this yellow brick road. I'm just going to end up at this magic castle and poof, everything's going to be awesome. Chris was the catalyst that helped me understand the power behind my own platform and the fact that it was really built to align life and business and simplify people's processes. That's what it really boiled down to. I saw it as something different. Now, my conversation, the first time I talked to Chris, it was a quick conversation. It was about a half hour. And what ended up happening after that, it was like, well, you know, maybe we can work together. Maybe we can, you know, he can do some mentoring. He wanted to help me. I wanted his help. I don't trust a lot of people. I had been shafted by so many people in the industry. I mean, people saw me as an opportunity to make them money. Chris saw an opportunity to make an impact in somebody's life. Mm-hmm. That did. I mean, this isn't going to happen for everybody, but I'm very fortunate. What started as a simple conversation and a mentor-protege role transcended into Chris is one of my closest friends. He knows me better than anybody outside of my wife. He is my business partner in multiple business ventures. 
he gave me the opportunity to see myself for something that I didn't even realize I could see. He helped me understand where I was sacrificing things in my marriage and in my life that I didn't even realize I was doing. And in doing that and in teaching me his stuff, you know, I have carte blanche to do Chris's work. I can be Chris and Chris can be Davey. And that was something really powerful. What that did for me was all of a sudden, all those people that saw me as a money magnet for them and their events, mm-hmm. well, they just started not being attracted to me anymore. They they stopped liking me. And the people that I started to meet through Chris were more aligned with my thought process. So a lot of people talk about getting into a group, right? Getting yourself around individuals. The key word there is individual. I highly recommend when you when you see somebody and there's alignment, you start with that person. Don't worry about it. That's going to come. If you get it with one, one becomes two, four, eight, 16, 30. That's how that's how you end up with a circle of influence. It really starts with one. And when you have one person that is willing to assist you, whether there is money involved or not, jump on that opportunity. Because if you genuinely matter to that person, let's say it's it's a coach, you're looking for a coach and you find that a lot and you can't afford the coach. If that coach genuinely wants to help you, that coach can find a way to accommodate. And if they don't, you don't want to do that because again, they're focused on the dollars and cents. You're a number, not a human being. Chris treated me like a human being. Now there have been rewards for Chris helping me. The better I do at things, Obviously, it's great for Chris because everybody knows we're attached at the hip. So when I'm successful, people look at Chris. When Chris does things with our nonprofit, I mean, there's things in Chris's message people know are coming from me. It's a really cool thing to know that, you know, you've got one person. And now I meet people like Linda. Then I meet people like Tamara Hunter. Then I meet people like Fong. Then I meet, you know, that's how that's how you do it. You don't just walk into a room. And go, here's my people. You walk into a room and you'll see that one person and that's where you put your energy. The rest, it will come to you. Stop chasing people. They will come to you. Chris was that one person that helped me realize that. Wow. Very, very powerful message there. Um, You talked about simplifying processes. Uh, Is there something that you can give to people right now that's tangible? that they can implement into their lives, either personally or in their business, that they can do right away? Yeah, I mean, realistically, I use a lot of silly analogies, and you're going to laugh, so get right. I mean, I, I hope you... Is that about beaches not, again? No, it's not about beaches. <laughs> and it's not for procrastination either. Uh, this is really something you can implement right away. Think about meatloaf. I know this is going to sound crazy. Everybody, even if you're, everybody has, there's a meatloaf recipe, right? So for all my vegan friends out there, just humor me. I'm not talking about eating meat. This is an analogy. We're not physically telling people to eat meat. Think about meatloaf. Every family has a meatloaf recipe that's been passed down from generation to generation, right? What is that recipe? We always tweak it. As generations pass, we always make our own adjustments to it. So something that you can do right now is look at your meatloaf recipe. Are you enjoying it? Are you making someone else's recipe or are you making your own? The important thing is you take the necessary ingredients and you tweak it and make it your own. Mm-hmm. The thing that I challenge people with today is go grocery shopping. I mean this. And think about meatloaf. 
think about the fact that your mom made it a certain way, but now nah, it's a little too sweet. Well, I don't want to use this many eggs. I don't want to use. There's adaptability in a recipe. Look at your life and your business as a recipe. You can always tweak it. It's not one set way to make it. And you have to make it appealing for you. Because if it tastes good to you, you're going to be comfortable sharing that with other people, right? Now, what are they going to do? They're going to take it and say, yeah, that's good. But they're going to want to make tweaks. And if we can live in a world where everybody understands that they have their own meatloaf, the world's going to be a much happier, healthier place. Because at the end of the day, take simple, tangible things, simple, tangible items. Peanut butter and jelly is another one. Go make yourself a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and think about, you asked about a coach and a mentor. It's like peanut butter and jelly. If I like peanut butter and jelly, I like almond butter and grape jelly, for example, on multigrain bread. Well, if you like cashew butter and strawberry jam on white, yeah, we we both like peanut butter and jelly, but you don't like it the way that I do. So chances are, I'm not going to want to eat with you, right? So think about, are you surrounding yourself with peanut butter and jelly people that like it the way that you do? Or are you forcing yourself to eat somebody else's crap? And really, now when we're done and people listen to this interview, as I've been told throughout my career, you're never going to look at the grocery store the same way again. There is inspiration in front of us at all times. So take everything that we talked about in this episode and really stop and think about it. Give yourself the opportunity to visualize simplicity. When you can visualize simplicity, everything else falls into place and do silly things like meatloaf bananas for procrastinating. I mean, really inspiration and the opportunity to get our crap together is right in front of us. Mm -hmm. Stop looking everywhere else and just see the simplicity and laugh. What we just did is laugh. And for all those people that we've referenced that we're looking to help make an impact at this episode, I think most people, that's what they need to do. Mm -hmm. It's just laugh, just smile, laugh. The world is a ridiculously humorous place. It seems like it's coming to an end, but when you really think about it, how can you not sit there and laugh? Awesome. You have to, right? It's no different with life and business. <laughs> do you do you go around every day and go, hmm, let's see. That dish could be could represent challenges. And that dish could <laughs> Yes, I do. I see I or somebody will say something and it just really, I mean, I Chris and I were at an event years ago, Fong, and we were walking out of our hotel room and he's like, I'll be right there. And I knew what he, why he was going to be delayed. He had to take a tinkle. By the time I got to the elevator, I knew one of the questions that was going to be asked of me when I got on stage. And I used taking a potty break to equate how everyday people are similar to successful people, something that we have in common. We all take tinkles and we all poop. And if you're a guy, hopefully you sit when you're taking a dump. If you're a guy, you're standing. We all do things universally the same, right? We just have a different way of going about doing it. So, yes, I literally spend my days just having goofy things come to me. But when you think about it, I can get people to stop and think and laugh. And that automatically shifts that negative perception or that perception of chasing into, wow. So, yes, nobody goes to the bathroom the same after they're done listening to one of my speeches. Nobody looks at the grocery store the same way. Cute. I mean, I've got analogies coming out. The the banana, just so you know, the banana, I came up with that that morning. <laughs> I had eaten 30 seconds before I got on camera and there was something I don't it wasn't Chris. Somebody had mentioned something and I'm like, I can equate a banana to procrastination. Boom. There you go. We're going to go bananas with procrastination. And there you have it. Awesome stuff. So yeah. <laughs>
Great. I, I think we can, that's a, a, that's a great powerful message there for, for us to end off on, but um, just another quick um, formal question for you. Legacy. What does that mean to you and what would you like your legacy to be? I believe that our legacy is something that we're all actually in the process of creating. And what I want my legacy to be is irrelevant because my legacy is going to be what it's going to be. As long as I am out there every day, I start and end with the same statement. Thank you for another day to make an impact in some small way. That is my legacy in a nutshell. And whether it works for me or not, we're never going to know about our legacy, right? Because we'll be long gone. What's relevant is that the message that I share, the impact that I'm able to make now, transcends for generations to come. And if I can do that with one person, I've accomplished my legacy. My legacy is that of simplicity and don't chase anything that you deserve to just embrace. Mm-hmm. And if I did that with one person, the way that Chris Salem did with Davy Williams, then my legacy will live on for generations to come. And I believe that it takes a lot of people in your legacy, Bong. And I think that's another thing people forget. Your legacy is not just yours. Your legacy is the culmination of all the people, all the impacts that you've made, all of the the lives that you've touched, the businesses that you've touched. Your legacy can have flaws in it, but at the end of the day, your legacy is yours and yours alone. Mm-hmm. So I don't get, I don't really bog down with what I want it to be. I know what I need it to be for myself to be fulfilled, and that is every day making an impact in some small way. And if I continue to do that and create that ripple effect. It'll live on for generations, just like the ocean. The waves that I go and see at the beach today, they weren't the same waves 30 years ago, but the waves are still there, right? Mm-hmm. That to me is things, even if people don't know it was me, the mindset and the thought process is all I care about. Awesome stuff. Uh, before I let you go, rapid fire five questions. Uh, give me the first thing that comes to mind. Strand on the deserted island, one food to eat for the rest of your life, no consequence. Bananas. <laughs> Uh, Hollywood calls and goes, Davey, we want to do a biopic on you. Who do you want to play you? Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel goes, hey, guess what, Davey? I got cast to play you. Let's go hang out. And you go, no problem. I'm going to show you a night out. What does that look like? With Vin Diesel, I'm probably going to take him to a secluded eye. No. Um, <laughs> obviously, racing cars together. Um, I mean, that's and he looks the closest to me. That's why you have to pick Vin Diesel when you're someone like me. I'd pick the rock, but he's too swole for me. (laughs) Really, you know, Vin's got a really crazy story. So, I mean, just a night out in the town, just having some drinks and relaxing and getting to learn more again about his process and his story and sharing a bit about mine. Cool. Uh, You're you're in the car for a long car ride, road trip, but for some reason, there's only one song that plays over and over. What's that song that you don't mind listening to? Better Together by Jack Johnson. Awesome. And this last question is going to be easy for you. Uh, give me a number from one to five. Three. One, two, three. So if you had to relate success to a boat, how is success like a boat? We all have our own ships to sail, but we can ride the tide together. Don't worry about other people's boats. Sail your own ship and you'll attract the fleet that you deserve to attract, which ironically brings this interview full circle, right? <laughs> Nicely done. So that's how success is like a boat. Uh, once again, thank you very much for your time, your insight, lots of great stories, lots of great analogies. Um, I've learned a lot. It was a lot of fun. Uh, what's the best way for, for people to reach out to you and also any final words? 
So the easiest way for people to get in contact with me, if you're looking for me on social media or anywhere else, I certainly don't hide under a rock. I'm pretty out there. Um, the Seashore Lifestyle, the C-S-U-R-E lifestyle.com is my website. All my socials are on there as well. You can learn about what I do, the work that Chris and I do together on the for-profit side and non-profit side. And I will say this, if there's anything I can do to be of service for anybody that hears this interview, do not hesitate to reach out. I'm a human being. Just because I'm successful doesn't mean that I am above or below anybody. So don't hesitate to reach out with any questions that you would have. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for that. For everybody, remember that is Davey. My name is Fontuan. Until next time, today is the day to lock your P potential. We'll see you later.